This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Teal Talk Radio, Season 6, Episode 27. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 27 of TL Talk Radio. I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. And I'm Randy Zickenfuss. Today, we're speaking with Joanne McKicken and Matthew Kane about their book, Measuring Human Return, Understand and Assess What Really Matters for Deeper Learning. Joanne is the CEO and founder of The Learner First, an education consultancy based in Seattle. She serves on the executive team of Karanga, the Global Alliance for Social-Emotional Learning and Life Skills, and is also co-founder of the new Pedagogies for Deep Learning Global Partnership, currently active in Australia, Canada, Finland, Hong Kong, the Netherlands, New Zealand, the United States, and Uruguay. Joanne is co-author of numerous books, including today's read, Measuring Human Return. Matthew is the Director of Research and Writing at The Learner First, where he works closely with teachers, school leaders, and other members of school communities to change students' outcomes and share learning stories. He's partnered with diverse schools and school systems globally to develop new tools, language, and practices that help bring deeper learning to life, and he works as a Senior Manager with the new Pedagogies for Deeper Learning. So welcome to the podcast, Joanne and Matthew. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So we're thrilled to get our conversation started here, and we'd like to invite each of you to share a personal story about how you became so passionate, first, about deeper learning, and second, about this idea of measuring deeper learning outcomes. Well, I guess I'll start here. And for me, it's for me, the purpose of education is for every child to learn who they are and how they fit into the world and how they can contribute to education. And as a teacher, a principal, an ex-superintendent, and a whole country system leader, I slowly watched that deteriorate as we started to move towards standardization. And I watched the souls and the heart and the light of the eyes of kids go out as, as they started to learn to, to focus more on tests and focus more on what, what, what we thought they had to learn rather than what they really wanted to learn. So as I sort of watched their, their eyes and their lights go out and the dissonance form inside them, I figured out that there's something going on in our system that's not quite right. And so for me, it was just watching it. And then when I started to shift towards looking at what really made kids passionate, what really excited them. And when I figured out that every single one of us has something we can contribute to humanity, if we allow that to come through, and if we can figure out that what that is, then our world can be a better place. So for me, the shift to deeper learning is about the shift to bringing humanity back to education. So for me, that's what it's about. And the reason that we started to look at measuring it is that when we shift how we measure, and kids can show us what they know and the way they want to show us, that's when we start to get equity. If we ask them to show us what they know and the way we want them to show it, then they will never be able to get equity because it's the way we want it, not the way they want it. I guess the answer for me, first and foremost, is Joanne. Uh, and we've been working together <laughs> for a long time now, but she was really that initial spark that got me really interested in deeper learning 
and in making its outcomes measurable. And then in addition to that, for me, I guess it's always been about learning outcomes because traditional academic outcomes just aren't enough. And we're really interested in expanding and completing the definition of academic or educational outcomes because the person who knows the most won't necessarily be the best person or even a happy person. And that's a real problem that schools have on their hands and one that we're really eager to address through our work. So before we get into this, uh, the five frames of measurement that you have as the core of your book, let's talk a little bit about what deeper learning actually means. And education, as you know, is filled with lots of terminology, and, and everybody seems to have different ways of approaching it. And, and I think it's important for our listeners to sort of get the understanding of how are you framing this idea of deeper learning, especially in this, in this world that we live in that's just changing so fast. Mm, I think it's a really good question. And for us, language is really critical. And I think for, for me, uh, and I'll explain why I say it's really critical, is I'm, I'm part Māori, which is a um, First Nations person from New Zealand. And because I speak two languages, I know that when I think in one language, I have a different way of framing things and a different way of thinking. So for me, when we talk in language, we really do have to have a common shared language about what does it mean when we're saying different terms. So when we're talking about deeper language, we always really want to clarify that. We always really want to make sure whenever we're talking about that, we have a really good common understanding of it. So deeper learning for us is really about the development of four deeper learning outcomes. And as Matt said, that's really important, the outcomes piece. We talk about self-understanding, knowing who you are, how you fit into the world, and how you can contribute to humanity. We talk about knowledge. What is the knowledge you need to know to be the best person you can be to fit into the world you want to fit into? Competency. We talk about the six Cs. What are those competencies you need to be your best person? And connection. How do you connect to yourself, your community, your, your region around you, the world and the globe? Those are the outcomes that we sort of think matter for every single learner, for every one of us, and because they really help us to contribute to the world and to, the, to add to the world in the little ways and in the big ways. Those are the acts of the contribution or the addition that what give us meaning and fulfillment to our, throughout all of our lives. We kind of like to say that knowledge alone is not fulfillment. And I think that students need more than what they're learning in the traditional curriculum to really realize lifelong success and well-being. And I guess thinking about that, along with learning about what the world and its workings, they need to learn about themselves, you know, who they are. And I think the saddest sort of thing for me is when I see teachers, young teachers even, who are coming out of school and they're trying to teach children and they don't know themselves well enough to be able to do this work. So we want to talk about what are the competencies need when that all comes together of deeper learning. And to me, that deeper learning is an intersection of learning and contribution. So deeper learning for me is an intersection of learning and contribution. Hmm. Yeah, do you want to add right, to that? Yeah. Yeah, so for us, yeah, deeper learning is equivalent to contributive learning. So it's all about contribution and about making that the explicit overarching focus and purpose of schools. So not what students get out of school so much as what students and schools give back through the process of learning, uh, because that's what's really shaping people's lifelong success and well-being. And so when we talk about how we're living in a changing world, these outcomes are the constant. So self-understanding, knowledge, competency, connection, they're what people will always need to respond to changes most effectively, and then more importantly, to create the changes they want to see. And contributive learning gives people that power. It's kind of like adding to the world, not taking from the world. Mm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Different way to frame it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A unique way to frame it. I don't think we've talked to anybody mm -hmm. else who's really had that lens of contributing, mm -hmm. creating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. providing and, yeah that's and I guess really... one, of, one of the ways we sort of talk about it too and I think one of our blogs we've written is that you know we, we sort of talk a lot about schools 
people want to go into schools and fix schools. Mm -hmm. We talk about we want schools to go out into the community and fix communities because that's where the real, you know, we can work together in a community and, and work together to fix the situations that we've created together. And that's when we start to see real education working, real learning working, because then we're working together to create the real life solutions that are really concerning us today. Mm -hmm. So it's really a, a, a different paradigm. It's a different way of thinking. And it's and it's it's very much a contrast to the dominant way that we think about about schools. So that's, yeah. I guess, what makes it so hard to bring about yeah. this change, too, is we have to have to put that in front of dangle that in front of people so that they can at least be intrigued and curious enough to challenge their own thinking and their own mindsets yeah it is it's a very big shift and i think one of the things i often say to schools when we start working with them is 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 your definition of success currently now exactly what you want and is what you're doing working for every single child and there's very few people who can sit there and look me in the eye and say yes they're happy with your current system and mm. the way things go and very few of us are very happy with exactly how things are going in the world. So we do have to do something completely different. This is not just about tinkering, tinkering around the edges. We're talking about a whole new frame, human return framework. We're looking about what can we give back to humanity from, rather than what can we take from it. Mm -hmm. So in Chapter 4, Engaging Partners Around What Matters, you talk about really the core of your book and you begin the five frames of measurement. So share with our listeners a little bit about... Um, that big idea in those frames. Okay, so that's the five frames of measurements came about because when you're trying to go deeper and sort of implementing deeper the, the, the concept of contributive learning, it's no small undertaking. We recognize that. And whether you're a district of schools or even a small single school trying to take on this work, you need a process. And we know that a process is important, not a, not a prescription, but a process. And so what we think about is like we need a process of mobilizing contributive learning and a, focus for, a process of focusing your change and to staying organized and keeping everything in focus. And that's what we hope the frames will provide for people. So let's, if I br briefly walk you through each of them. So the first is engagement. And for this, this is always a starting point. It's bringing together all the partners that make up the school community and really digging to, into who you are as a community. What really matters to you? What do you really want for your kids? What's the purpose for your school as a community? And that takes everyone together to come up with the answers to these things. And I'm not just talking about lightly doing it, going, you know, doing a strategic planning session saying, okay, give me two things you want. I'm talking about talking to everybody in your community. What do you really want? And given the state of the education system, it's not just asking the parents that come in, it's going to their homes, going out and really sort of saying, what do we really want our students to learn and how do we want them to learn? Once we've done that, we really pull that together and sort of figure out what do we want to do with that. So the next frame is development developing and or sort of bringing together what you need to make a deeper learning deeper learning to work for your kids and in measuring human return we dive into a number of tools and we've made them available online in the companion website so that that can help school systems so they're available on our forum website and that'll help them to bring um, deeper learning to life and they provide a good start for people to sort of talk and the tools are really quite they're broad enough to, to help people to have a conversation they don't tell you what to do what they do is they give you a description of what it could look like and a progression of what it could look like. So we're at different stages of understanding and development. And that's sort of putting it together. Once once we've got that, then we start to talk about clarity. So we've got engagement, getting everyone together, development. What does that look like when we're starting to dive into this and how does it how does it pull it together? The next frame is clarity. We've got to get crystal clear on what we're doing and why we're doing it and what it means and what it's going to take to get it there. This is where the tools are really important because they provide you not only with what's a tangible way of addressing, developing and measuring deeper learning, 
but it's just as important that the language of deeper learning that really helps to make it a reality. When people are really explicitly using this language and talking about self-understanding, competency, connection and contribution, it gets embedded into the fabric of your school, it makes it much easier to work effectively together. We talk about professional learning as being in time for what you need for the kids that you're working with at the school at the time. And so we're looking about developing the PD that's required. So the clarity is really clear about why you are doing that and for whom and when and why. So it's not a blanket statement, it's individualized and needed and required at the time. So we've got engagement, development, clarity, and I'll pass it over to Matt who can talk about the final two, two phases of our framework. Right, yeah, so the fourth frame is inquiry, which is all about how you work, how you operate. Uh, we use an inquiry process of assessment, design, implementation, measurement, and reflection and change. And it's a continuous process that really helps you focus on improvement, on getting better and better every day for your students. Because when you frame your activity in this way, or when you think about what you do as inquiry, then it isn't just, I'm gonna try this and what happens happens, but instead, this is what I want to accomplish. So this is what I'm going to do. And then once you do it, this is what happened, what worked well and what could be better. So you're constantly improving. And then finally, the fifth frame is depth. And this frame is just about seeing your learners and everyone else in your school for who they really are and all that they add to your community. Because if you aren't seeing everyone in that light or through that frame, then you won't, you really won't go anywhere because this is really all built on truly knowing and connecting with others in ways that ensure that when you're presented with a choice, you'll choose what's right for the people around you. And so, yeah, so there were the, those are the five frames in a nutshell. And yeah, we really just hope that they'll help you to see your school, your learners, your community, everything through that lens of contributive learning. And what we have is a, just like a set of tools that helps you work through those phases. And one of the things that we've learned is that you can't, you can't, you can't tell anybody to do anything these days. Everybody has to own things themselves. And, you know, like we've seen a lot of silver bullets, we've seen a lot of programs, we've seen a lot of tools go into schools. And the one thing we've learned around this process is that by creating a change team within a school that is made up of people who are in the school, who are part of the community, that are kids, that are teachers, that are all doing this together, talking together about what counts. So that's your engagement phase. What really counts for success? framing that together, engaging people together, creating that clarity and taking a responsibility for going all the way through to those four outcomes for those kids and measuring it as you go. That's where we're seeing the success. We all know that we start the year with this really big hiss and aura, like we've got this energy to do this work. But as things happen through the year, we get tired. But if we've got a process to help us stick to it, stick to it, then it makes it sort of much clearer for us and we don't then get caught up in the, in the minutia of the administration stuff that we feel that we have to do. Mm. We can actually keep our focus on the kids that we need to be doing the work. So I think that uh, the, the frames that you present really resonate, I think, with those of us who are working to have our organizations be more learner-centered and it, it really mm. provides a lot of clarity, I think, to the to the kind of work, which can also, also oftentimes seem a little rudderless um, yeah. to to really yeah. hone in on that. Um, yeah. So talk to us a little bit about um, leadership of this work. So one of the things that we're really curious about being superintendent and associate superintendent is leading this work for deeper learning or being more learner-centered. Um, mm. And you've done a lot of this work out in, in schools and in districts. So what kinds of mm. things have you learned about leading this work? What's different about leading this work than 
leading a traditional school paradigm? I think that the, the, the difference about leading this work is that um, you have to be yourself. And I, I, I think that I'm only saying that now because I'm nearly 55 years old and I can get away with it. Um, I think, you know, when I was a younger principal and a younger administrator, a younger superintendent, um, and when I was even leading the work in New Zealand, I probably would have said I felt like I had to do it in a particular way because that was the way I had to do it. What I've learned is that once I became myself and truly was able to be a genuine person with humanity and love in, in my heart and being able to truly care about people and lead as a female leader with empathy, with courage, with honesty, then that's when I truly was able to do this work in the best way possible. I think a lot of the time as leaders, we feel like we have to do things because we're told to do things in a particular way. And what that creates inside us is this, this feeling of we're not, we're, we're, we're racing, we're racing, we're racing, we're racing, and we're trying to get all through this work that we feel we have to do. The work I've been doing around wellbeing has taught us and teaches me that the true sense of leadership is to be yourself, to be honest to you, to, to look out yourself first and then you can be the best leader you can be there's nothing in this work that none not one leader i've ever met cannot do if we're true to ourselves and, and, and enable each teacher to do this work part of what we're learning is is that we spent so much time trying to say to everybody you have to go to university you have to do this you have to learn this you have to pass maths you have to do algebra you have to get this you have to get your sat you have to pass these tests you have to do all of these things yet in truth there's only about 35 percent of students who actually end up going to university and yet we make the other 65% of people feel really bad. And as a leader, we've got to start stopping doing that. We've got to start saying, you be you, because each one of us can contribute. And we want everyone to contribute to this world. And what we've done is we've made everybody feel bad when they're not like us. Yet there's a lot of people in this world who are contributing incredibly amazing things. And we have to let up on those people who we've been being really tough on, who are not like us, who don't look like us, who don't sound like us, who are not the same as us. So leaders, what I say to you is be yourself, be honest to yourself, stop putting the pressure on you and everybody in your school to be something you're not. Allow everybody to be themselves. And when you do, you will have magic in your school and in your system. So what I've learned is be human. Yeah, and I mean, I guess I, you know, everything that Joanne said, and then I guess I just emphasize um, the fact of, you know, getting everybody to sort of help with that leadership process, that everybody can be a leader. And that comes in a lot in that change team process that Joanne talked about and that we go into detail with in our book. Uh, once you, if, if you really set up, you know, support, if you set up a team of people, diverse people to come together um, to share about what they're doing, what's working, what needs to change, um, that's what really takes it to the next level in schools is when you're able to, you know, bring this team together that's really committed to contributive learning, that that is their purpose. And the way that they're operating, the way that they're working in the school system is all built around, um, you know, finding ways to make contributive learning happen. Mm -hmm. So for leadership, I just say, yeah, um, helping everybody to lead and then setting up the supports that allow that to happen and to get everybody's uh, voices heard and let everybody act in contributive ways. So in the theme of contributive learning, you have uh, contributed this book, but also the companion website, which we um, linked in our show notes for our listeners. And that companion mm -hmm. website has uh, many resources, including some of the tools for having these challenging conversations. Um, mm -hmm. What might you like to highlight on the site for our listeners? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So the companion site hosts uh, the Learner First set of tools, which are all built for deeper learning. 
Um, and the central tools are really the learning progressions, which measure the development of deeper learning outcomes. So we include measures of self-understanding, connection, collaboration. And they're great because along with measuring students' progression, uh, they also provide that language like Joanne was talking about uh, that's so important for actually bringing these outcomes to life. And then uh, there's the learning development rubric, uh, which is a tool that schools or school systems can use to measure where they are in relation to each deeper learning outcome. So how well are we as a school or school system developing self-understanding, connection, competency, knowledge, and then you can see in what areas you need to improve and how. Um, and there are also five capability rubrics, which are also really important because they measure the professional capabilities and the cultural conditions that enable deeper learning to occur. And those can be used in change teams and alongside a range of additional change team tools um, and inquiry guides that are all up on the site. And then uh, the last measure I guess we'll note is the learning experience rubric, because it's used during the process of collaborative moderation, uh, which is one of our favorite processes. It's where teachers will design and implement a learning experience with their students, and then think really hard about how it went, uh, what worked and why, what could be improved and how, and then they'll share that with their peers in a professional dialogue that links teaching practice with student outcomes. Uh, so it's a really valuable process. Uh, we hear all the time that when collaborative moderation kicks off in school, that's when it all really starts to click for teachers. Um, yeah, so for anyone who's interested, that's chapter 10 in the book. Um, and then again, all these tools and other tools are all up on the companion site. Uh, so we hope that they'll add to the work that you're doing. And I guess the one thing I would add to the set of tools is that we, we measure in three different sections across our systems mm -hmm. that we work with. One is that we look at, we measure the, the system capabilities, like how is a system are we doing and are we getting better at what we're doing? We also measure the design of learning. Are we designing the learning so that our kids are getting the right outcomes that we want them to get? And then are, we, are the kids getting the outcomes we want? In traditional systems, we just measure the outcomes for the kids and sometimes they get the blame for what we're doing in the system. So what we're doing is we're actually kind of like, I, I, we're kind of switching the game around. We're looking at our own performance as adults. Are we doing the right things to actually enable the outcomes for kids? So are we as adults, are we getting the system stuff right? Mm -hmm. And then are we doing the design right? So like you think about when a house burns down or there's a flood, we look at strengthening the design of the house so that that doesn't happen next time that, that occurs. So if kids aren't passing the test or if they're not doing the right kind of learning, we look at the design of the learning and say, can we do something different so that kids get a better outcome? So we're looking at all aspects of the system, all aspects of our design, all aspects of the outcome to improve every layer of the system for our kids so that they get the best outcome that we can possibly provide for them. Because it's about them. It's also interesting to see you have a couple of examples from school districts and how they've applied yeah. your work in their context. Yeah, they've done some wonderful work here. We're really proud of them. Well, and speaking of wonderful work, the book is really a wonderful contribution uh, to the educational literature that's out there for those who are really ready to be challenged in terms of their mindset and and bringing about change in schools. So uh, we really enjoyed uh, taking a look at the book and, and have enjoyed this conversation so far, but we're not quite done yet. So each season we have uh, a series of what we call lightning response questions. So there are three questions here, and it's usually a really great opportunity for our listeners to get some extra resources from the experts that we do have on the show. So the first question, who is one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about deeper learning? Oh, okay. Um, Dr. Jean Clinton, 
She's a psychiatrist based out of Toronto and um, she's been supporting us with understanding. She's a uh, psychiatrist, a neuroscience psychiatrist, and she's been helping us understand um, about how um, teachers, we create the weather in the classroom and she talks about connect before correct. And she's mm. really been sort of looking at, really thinking about how wellbeing is really important and uh, the importance of understanding caring about our kids that makes such a difference the relationship comes first before the learning but it comes together it's both not one or the other so mm. dr jean clinton look her up she's an amazing lady mm. love it De- definitely resonates with us yeah all right second question if you were recommending one book to our listeners what would it be at the moment uh my favorite book is permission to feel uh dr mark breakup from yale from the emotional center of intelligence He's, um, he's really opening up the ideas that it's okay for people to feel, and he's got a really good uh, little, uh, I guess, little exercise at the moment that's teaching people to, to have a, a language around feeling. And as I sort of said, language is really critical. So uh, Mark Brackett, he's one of my favorite authors at the moment, and that's um, really helping people to say, it's okay to feel. It's okay to say how you feel, which I really like. Super. And our last question, what online site, resource, or person do you learn from regularly? Um, at the moment, it's Dr. Dina Simmons. She's really cracking open the issues around equity, and she's talking about you know people people who are saying you know you know people are going going into the, the issues around social and emotional learning around wellbeing. She's reminding us all to say it's not okay to talk about that without remembering that this is around equity as well. So Dr. Dina Simmons, I love her a bit. She's really she's doing a great job at talking about reminding ourselves that equity is the basis of this and social justice is really critical too. So let's keep that in mind that all of our work is around making sure every kid gets equity and that their, their life is the most important that we should be considering. So those three people are my, my favorites right now. Great. So lots of, uh, lots of new resources there, Lynn, we've never heard of before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can introduce some new people. And they new all things connect. To explore. They all connect they with our connect. work, with yeah. our profile of a graduate yeah. and... Interesting. Great. I'm glad they do. All, yeah. all the descriptions that you, you all the descriptions that you added resonate with us. Mm-hmm. Good. So. I'm glad they do. Super. It's good to share ideas and learning together. That's what it's all about. We're we're all together in this. I always say we're all in this together. Yes. We couldn't agree more. So last question before we wrap up our conversation today. What's next for you, Joanne and Matthew? What are you working on now that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, I just, I suppose I'd like to do a little bit of a plug for Karanga. Karanga is the uh, global um, global movement for social and emotional learning in life skills. It's based out of Salzburg Global Seminar, which is in Austria. And it's a movement where we're challenging governments to really look at shifting the sole purpose of education to a broader set of outcomes, which include the outcomes that we've talked about of um, connection and self-understanding and, um, you know, the Water set, and we're really looking to engage a, a much wider group of people across the globe. We have 40 countries who are already sort of joining, working with us. We have a lot of people who are interested. So if you're interested in looking at doing, joining that, it's karanga.org, K-A-R-A-N-G-A.org. Um, and we're getting a whole lot of resources from all over the world of people who are doing some great work around this this, this work. So I'd love to, love to have anybody in the country who's interested in looking at doing that. It's a, it's a global expansion of the great work that Casey are doing here in the U.S. Excellent. And we link that in our show notes. Great. And Matt, you wanted to share another exciting bit of news from us both? Uh, Yeah. So I guess, yeah, the the other thing um, I guess we'll note is just uh, we have a a, a new book project in the works. And um, it's all about contributive learning, uh, specifically introducing contributive learning to the world in a way that should hopefully be uh, not only very accessible, but also 
uh, we think really exciting for any teacher or school leader anywhere who's interested in committing to contribute to learning in their schools. Um, and, you know, we don't have uh, a finalized title or even timeline, really, but we hope it comes out uh, sometime in 2020. And I guess, yeah, we're both just really hope hopeful for this project in large part because uh, the interest in contributive learning is there. And we've seen that people want to do more, schools want to do more, and they know what they want for their kids. So now it's about making it possible for uh, more students and teachers for more schools and districts. And that's what we've really set out for with this book. And it's more of a storybook. It's a more of a story around kids' lives with some with some some pointers of how to make the change. And the kids are teaching us how to do it. So we're pretty excited about that because really if the children can teach us to do a lot of we really listen. <laughs> we have to take the time to listen. We have we to make the time, time to, listen. to listen. We have to make it. You're right. Yeah. I like that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much yeah. for joining us today, Joanne and Matthew. It was a pleasure to talk about measuring human return. We look forward to your next um more of a narrative text it sounds like and um, maybe you'll join us again to share that because we certainly would be very interested oh we'd love to it's been a real pleasure to talk with you both this morning thank you so much likewise so linked in the show notes you'll see a link to the book their tools um, the references and resources that joanne and matthew shared with us in each episode we like to leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking reflection and conversation this episode's question, in what ways has our conversation today piqued your curiosity around learner-centered and, or more specifically, contributive learning? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season six, episode 27. That's all for this episode. We'll be back next week with another conversation featuring other innovative thought leaders. Thank you again, Joanne and Matthew. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.